you would pray with me, please, Heavenly Father. We are tackling a tough question today, Lord, one that will cause us to look in the mirror. And so I pray to you that you would help us to do that, that you would give us the openness, Lord, to examine ourselves in light of your grace and in light of your mercy, to hold ourselves accountable to our behavior and to the message that our behavior sends to the world around us who you are so desperately trying to reach. You have entrusted us, Lord, to reach them on your behalf. I pray that you would cause us to be the best picture of you that we could possibly be. Open our hearts this day, Lord, to the word that you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear. We love you, God, and we look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a police officer once pulled over a driver and asked for his license and registration. What's wrong, officer? The driver asked. I didn't go through any red lights, and I know that I wasn't speeding. No, you weren't, said the officer, but I saw you waving your fist as you swerved around the lady driving in the left lane. And then I further saw you using maybe not all of your fingers to wave at the driver of the SUV who cut you off. And then I heard you honking like crazy on the horn in your car when the guy in front of you didn't go right away at the stoplight. The driver said, well, is that a crime, officer? No, he said, but when I saw the Jesus loves you and so do I bumper sticker on the back of your car, I knew for sure that this car was stolen. <laughs> Ow. How many of us have, have been driving in the car and cursed out by someone only to see that they have the Jesus fish on their tailgate as they're speeding by us? We have been working through this sermon series called, I'm Glad You Asked. And we've been trying to tackle what are really some of the toughest and yet most important questions that we hear today about the Christian life. And so today's question, not an easy one for us to hear, is this. Why are there so many hypocrites in church? Mm -hmm. There's an author named Zig Ziglar who once wrote that he asked his friend, would you like to come to worship with me on Sunday morning? And his friend said, I'm not going to church. There's too many hypocrites there. To which Ziglar replied, well, there's always room for one more. Why, though? Why do people on the outside look at churchgoers and see what they think are hypocrites? Why? And I, th I think that... To answer that question, we need to take a look at exactly what a hypocrite is and what does a hypocrite do. And so what is a hypocrite? I looked it up in the dictionary. Webster's Dictionary says this, a hypocrite is a person who claims or pretends to have certain beliefs about what is right, but who behaves in a way that disagrees with those beliefs. A person who puts on a false appearance of virtue, one who wears a mask. A pretender. That's what Merriam-Webster says. The term hypocrite actually originates from the Greek word hypocrites, which means to wear a mask. It means to wear a mask. Back in the day, when Greek was mostly the universal language, there were actors and they would put on plays. And one actor in the play would play multiple parts in this play and would switch between the different roles by holding a mask over their face. 
Each mask represented a different persona in the play, and they would act differently according to the mask that they were holding. That's where Webster got the mask thing from. So to put that together in uh, today's terms, a hypocrite is someone who says they are one way but acts in a different way. A person whose persona changes. And sadly, we do see that kind of behavior from many a church-going people. We see it so often, in fact, that when I was the youth director here, we did a lesson on that topic with the kids, and we called it Sunday Shoes. It was a good time. We had the kids take off their shoes, and we would pile them all in a great big pile, and we'd make a relay race out of it, and we'd do this great big shoe scramble, and then the kids would learn about Sunday Shoes. And Now, here's the thing. On the side note with this Sunday Shoes lesson, the kids learned about hypocrisy. The lesson that I learned is that many of our teenagers have stinky feet. <laughs> Too often, people put on their Sunday shoes and they walk into church. And there they learn how Jesus would call them to behave. And while they're there in church, they do just that. A whole lot of Christian behavior. But then they get home, and they kick off those Sunday shoes, and it all goes out the window. And they talk about other people behind their backs, and they watch the TV shows that they shouldn't watch, and they use the language that they shouldn't use, and they hardly resemble the people who were in the pews on Sunday. And then the next week, it's back into the Sunday shoes and back to church. Now, it is behavior like that that causes those on the outside of the church to ask the hypocrite question. One hot summer day after worship, a family had invited some church people over for dinner. And as they sat down at the table, the mom asked her little five-year-old daughter to say grace. And this little girl was shy, and she complained. She said, Mom, I don't know what to say. She said, sure you do, honey. You just talk to God like you hear me talk to God. Okay, the little girl said, and so she, she bowed her little head, and she folded her little hands, and the group at the table did it along with her, and she said, Dear Lord, why on earth did I invite these people over on such a hot day? Amen. <laughs> the passage that we heard from today's gospel, the gospel of Matthew, is one of the many many scriptures in which Jesus is addressing the Pharisees who considered themselves to be very religious people and Jesus calls them hypocrites. Now why does Jesus say this to them? He says it to them because they are a group of people who say they want to please God but then their behavior is displeasing. They look down on others and they elevate themselves because they are under the impression that their behavior is better than everyone else's behavior. And Jesus begs to differ. See, the Pharisees, they spent lots and lots of time in the church. They spent lots of time in the synagogue. And guess what? It didn't make them any better than anyone else, though they acted like they were. And so I want to suggest this morning that one of the reasons that the people on the outside think that there are hypocrites in the church is because many churchgoers act like they're better than the non-churchgoers, when in fact they are not. Acting like you're holy while behaving in a way that is not holy sends a big, loud 
message to the people on the outside. And let me tell you, that type of behavior does not make the people on the outside want to come to the inside. And the inside of the church is where we want them to be so that they can hear the good news. Another reason people ask that hypocrite in church question is this. Get this. Not all church people are Christians. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Going to church does not automatically change one's behavior. People go to church for all sorts of reasons. Some people go to church because they want to love and serve the Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus, that's the right reason to be here. But some people go because they want to please their spouse. I'm only here for my wife. Some people go for the socialization. It gives them someone to talk to. I have a very good friend who, when we were young, in our early 20s, would say to his daughter, or her father would say to her, why don't you go to church? You'll find some nice boy to marry. Some people go to church because it's a place where they can be large and in charge of a committee and they can feel like they're important. We have all different reasons for going to church, but here's the point. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you a car. And so I want us to understand one of the reasons that some people perceive hypocrisy in the church as a case of mistaken identity. Some people just look like Christians because they get up on Sunday and they go to a place called church. And the world on the outside says, oh, they're the Christians, they went to church. But then they behave otherwise. Why? Because going to church does not a Christian make. Right, so then what makes a Christian? What makes a Christian is not the act of being present in the building. What makes a Christian is the act of presenting, of surrendering our lives to Jesus. A Christian is one who believes, who puts their faith in, who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do that, he starts changing us from the inside out. And when we are changed by him, more specifically when we let him change us, then we start to look more like Christ and less like the hypocrites. We start emulating Jesus instead of emulating the world. And when you're a follower who has surrendered your life to Jesus and you start acting and looking more like Jesus because of the work that he's done in your life, then there is just no confusing you between the Christians and the hypocrites. Our epistle lesson for today says it beautifully. Offer yourselves, present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the Spirit. Let me tell you, I love that verse because it takes all the pressure off of us. Really, it does. Because we are not expected to behave all Christian-like on our own. We've got the Holy Spirit of God working to transform us, to change us from the inside out. The work of the Holy Spirit in us helps us to look and behave more like Jesus. And it's that behavior that sends a beautiful message, an unmistakable message to those on the outside of our church building. And so I ask you this morning, what face 
are you putting forward in your life? What face are you putting forward in your life? Are you showing people the face of a follower who has offered themselves entirely to Christ? Or are you maybe showing them something else? When people on the outside of the church look at you, do they see someone who goes to church on Sunday but comes out like the rest of the world on Monday? Someone who's just sporting the Sunday shoes? Or are you letting them see someone who has gone into worship on Sunday and continued that worship through their words and their actions also on Monday through Saturday? Someone who lives consistently every day according to the word of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. What face are you putting forward for the world to see? So to review some facts about hypocrites. They're people whose actions don't match their words. They're people who wear a mask or put on a front. They're people whose behavior changes from one day to the next. I'm going to give you some facts about Christians. Some very clear and distinct things that if the world sees them in you, they are not going to mistake you for a hypocrite. Real Christians are forgiven sinners. They know it and they show it. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. I say amen to that because it takes away the pressure from you and me of trying to be or trying to look like we're perfect. The Bible does not say that followers of Christ are perfect, but the Bible does say that followers of Christ are perfectly forgiven. And that's one big difference between being a Christian and being a hypocrite. See, there's this unspoken assumption on the outside that a Christian is someone who is always well-behaved, someone who doesn't sin. And let me tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. It is exactly the opposite. Because sadly, we sin. 1 John 1.8 says it very clearly. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. A hypocrite, or one who wears a mask, acts like they are sin-free. Just like the Pharisees that Jesus was rebuking, who thought they were all in the right, and that they were better than all the sinners. The Christian, on the other hand, can freely admit the fact that he or she is a sinner. And the Christian asks God for forgiveness. And verse 9, praise Jesus says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. A forgiven sinner doesn't act like he's sin-free, but he can surely acknowledge that through the forgiveness of God, he is freed from sin. You and I, we don't need to hide who we are. We aren't perfect, and that's okay, because we are perfectly forgiven. That's the face forward that the world needs to see. You and I don't have to pretend we're better than others. We just have to remember that through Christ we're better than we were before. And that's a second characteristic of a true Christian that the world needs to see. True Christians are not what they used to be. It's no secret that the world outside looks at Christians and thinks that we should not lose our tempers. They look at Christians and they think we should not struggle with alcohol or that we should not swear. 
And, well, we should be trying really hard not to do that, but the truth is we still live in a broken world, and we are still human beings, and we're still bent towards sin, and we all still struggle. But instead of focusing on how far we fall short, why not think about how far a person has come? I still have a long way to go in many areas of my life, but I will tell you I am a totally different person than I was before I gave my life to Jesus. And I'm sure that you are too. I used to swear a lot. I would lose my temper with my kids. I would get jealous of other people, and I didn't care. I didn't give a second thought to how that behavior made me look. But then Jesus found me. And when I trusted him, Jesus changed me, little by little, to help me overcome those sins that I had been struggling with. Jesus literally brought me out of a pit and made me new. I have not reached perfection for sure. But if you talk to the people who knew me before I knew Jesus, they would say that I am not the person that I used to be. Now, if you and I let the world see the positive changes that Jesus is bringing about in our lives, and if we help them understand that we are, in fact, still a bunch of works in progress, that's a great face to put forward because it lets the world on the outside see Christ at work in you and making a difference. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Folks, Christ is working in you and me. He is perfecting you little by little and day by day. You and I are a work in progress. And it is okay to let the outside world see that. Because that kind of positive change in a surrendered soul brings glory to God. And so again I ask you, what face are you putting forward? The world sees a bunch of hypocrites when they look at us because sometimes we're just trying to show the world an image of ourselves that we, not, that we are not really. You show them that you're not perfect but that you are perfectly forgiven. You show them that you are not sin-free, but thanks be to God, you have been freed from your sin. You show them that God is working in you and helping you to become the best image of Jesus that you can be. Because when the world looks at your face and in it they see the work of Jesus, there can be no mistake. And finally we will be able to put that hypocrite question to rest. Amen, Lord. Let it be. Let us. Let them see you. I'm going to ask Pastor Johnson and Pastor Joanne to come forward. We are going to share in reading the Wesleyan Covenant. I hope that you will join us at home as we offer ourselves to God. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. 
I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. 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 Thank you both.